Good morning, everybody. I'm glad you're tuning in today. We welcome everybody to our service. And trust that everybody is still doing well. I know we're hunkering down and still staying in, and uh, it's just one of those things we got to do and follow all the CDC requirements and uh, trust that everybody is doing that and staying well. As always, if you have a need, uh, we, we need to know that. If you have a prayer need or a concern, or if you just need someone to talk with, there's, there's, uh, the deacons will be calling as they've been doing every week. Uh, please convey any needs to them. You can always call me as well as your pastor. Um, I'm available. Uh, all the contact numbers, again, for everyone that you need is listed on the website. And, you know, uh, we're here to help you. We hope that we'll be back together sooner than later, but we know that throughout the month of, of April, unfortunately, we will not be meeting together, so we just take it from there week after week as we go into May. But uh, we trust that everything is, is well with you. And I just want to remind you, this is Passion Week. This is the week that, that Jesus uh, entered into Jerusalem, as we call it the Passion Week. Why is it called the Passion Week? Because the passion of God uh, for you, you and me, for all the world. He entered in as a, in a triumphal way, and yet we know by the end of the week uh, he would be in a trial he would also uh, face his crucifixion, but yet we know the story doesn't end because the tomb is empty and he is alive. We will be celebrating that next Sunday as Easter Sunday, and, and that will be a joyful time for all of us. But again, we trust that everybody is doing well. I want to give you a little challenge. Talking to our treasurer and his wife yesterday, and they gave me a little challenge. You know, instead of uh, trying to figure out on your washing of hands and how much time you need, I thought it was a good little idea. And uh, it's, it's when, while you're doing that, you can recite the Lord's Prayer. It'll take you about 20 to 22 seconds, and that's the time that uh, it's, they say in washing your hands. And if we all do that together, think about how many times in the course of a week that we will recite and pray that prayer throughout the week together as the Lord's Prayer. Now, we're going to do that again. I want to do that, and I want to challenge you in just a moment, as, as I do, uh, just to bow your heads right where you're at and also to pray that Lord's Prayer as you cast it up uh, before God. And so, again, thank you for tuning in, and I, I thank those who are here helping us to make this service uh, be what it is, and each one who's given their time to do that. Uh, so let's just begin our service as we pray uh, the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into evil or into temptation, and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory uh, forever and ever. Amen.
this morning I want to bring a message entitled uh, Experiencing Wholeness. It's found in, in Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. I'm going to give you time to, to look that scripture up. Uh, Experiencing Wholeness in Acts chapter 5, verse 12 through 21. I'm going to be also, just like I did last week, I'm going to be giving several scripture references out. So I just challenge you to get a little piece of paper or, uh, and write down these, these references because I may go through them faster for you then you have time to look them up, but you can look, up, look them up later and, and maybe use them as a reference point throughout the week uh, as little devotions uh, to get your thoughts going for your morning or evening or midday devotion. And I'll be looking at probably seven or eight different scripture references. I tried to uh, go ahead and get them marked in my, my Bible as well to, to move things along for us all. But when you're talking about experiencing wholeness, every one of us today... Uh, wants to know that we are whole. When you lay your head down at night and all that's going on in your life beyond what we're experiencing these days because this too shall pass, but I'm talking about in all of uh, the experiences of life, when you lay your head down at night, I believe the greatest need that we all have in our individual life is the need for wholeness, to know that, that, that we are okay that we're whole spiritually in the Lord, that we are, our hearts are in tune with the heartbeat of God, that our minds have stayed on Him, that, that the character that He has developed within us is a character that's continually, uh, through the process of knowing Him, is getting more and more defined within the DNA of our life spiritually to the character of God. And so let's think about experiencing wholeness. I am going to read that passage of Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. And it's about the, the wonderful signs that were being experienced amongst the people, uh, even in the midst of a jail situation. Now it begins in verse 12, many signs and wonders were being done among the people throughout the hands of the apostles. By common consent, they would all meet in Solomon's colonnade, and none of the rest dared to join them, but the people praised them highly. Believers were added to the Lord in increasingly num increasing numbers, crowds of both men and women. As a result, they would carry the sick into the streets and lay them on beds and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least the shadow might fall on some of them. In addition, a multitude came together and, and from the towns and surrounding Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Then the high priest took action. He and all his colleagues, those who belonged to the party of the of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. Can you get that? So they arrested the apostles and put them in the city jail. But the angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night and brought them out and said, now go stand in the temple complex and tell the people all, this, all about this life. In obedience to this, they entered the temple complex by daybreak and they began to teach. If you continue to read in that passage, you could do that later, you'll find something that will probably make you chuckle. Because the, as the 
jail, the guardsman of the jail peeks into the prison that they had put the, or the jail cell that they had put the apostles in, realize that they're no longer there and the jail doors are still locked and there's no one in there. And so you can see that something amazing happened as God transferred those in that prison and put them back into the temple complex to continue to teach and preach to the people. So let's talk about experiencing wholeness. Could it be that that's your need today? If it is, I trust the scriptures and the examples that I'm going to give you through the New Testament that will be an encouragement to you as you think about the various complexity of your spiritual life and your life here today. And the first one I want us to think about and look at is an example of wholeness. Number one is the prodigal son. In Luke chapter 15 is the passage or the parable of the prodigal son. Now, I'm not going to read that entire chapter because of the length of it, but not trying to take it out of context or minimize the importance of any other scripture. But I do just want to highlight that those few scriptures that begin in verse 21. The son said to him, to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his slaves, Quick, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Then bring the fatted calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, you know the context of the story. Those who are familiar with the scriptures, even if you're not, I'm hoping to give you a little context. Of course, this is the, the parable of two sons who are at home with the father. And the younger son says to the father, I want my inheritance. Dad, I don't want to wait for you to die. I want to go out and be on my own, and I can't do that by myself, so I want the inheritance that is mine. And so the father granted his request and let his son go. And in the process of that, the son wasted all that he had had and found himself in great need and found himself at a point where he could not make it any longer, and he realized, came to himself, came to his senses, and realized he needed to go back to the fellowship of the Father. In other words, he came to a point in his life where he realized that he wasn't whole. He came to a point in his life where he realized that he could not make it spiritually, physically, mentally, or emotionally. He was being torn apart on the inside. He was at a point in his life to where he realized that what he had, he no longer had. Even though he still had the love of the Father, and he still had the opportunity to continue the fellowship with his father. He just did not, could not do that because he left his father's presence. And so on his return home, he rehearsed what he was going to say. And of course, before he came out of his mouth, the father came to him down the road, saw him coming, embraced him, kissed him, and then said, let's celebrate. This son of mine who was lost is now found. The son of mine who was incomplete, who is, has come home, has now found wholeness for his life. Let's celebrate and let's be merry. Well, isn't that what Jesus is about? Even on the cross, 
it's about wholeness. Even when he whispers just the sweetness of his presence in your life, it's all about wholeness. When God answers a prayer, it's about wholeness. When you find strength in the midst of doubt, it's wholeness. When you find courage in the midst of, of weakness, it's all about wholeness. And so we see that example of the prodigal son as one example of one who went from a, almost a perfect situation and left that situation, found himself all along probably found out within him that he was not whole and then realized where his wholeness lied. It's in the fellowship with the Father. A second example is found in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. And in Matthew chapter 8, 1 through 4, is a passage about the leper, the leper who is wanting to be healed. And it begins in verse 1, when he came down from the mountain, Jesus, large crowds followed him. Right away, a man with serious skin disease came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And reaching out his hand, he touched him, saying, I am willing to be made clean. Immediately, his disease was healed. Then Jesus told him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses prescribed as a testimony to them. Now, today's world we live in, everyone is needing a hug. <laughs> We're needing a little touch, and we'll get back to that eventually. But we understand the isolation to some degree that the leper experienced because no one wanted to be around him because he was diseased, and they were afraid they were going to get the disease. And so they kept their distance from him. There was a social distancing that happened even in the leper's life to the point that he was so cast out that he was isolated from the entire community of people. But he heard rumors that Jesus could provide something that no one else could. And so he made his way to where Jesus was. And he asked Jesus, or he, he said to Jesus, Jesus, if you are willing... You can make me clean. And, of course, Jesus says, I'm willing. He said, I'm not only going to make you clean, I'm going to do something that's going to transform your life, that's going to give you a whole new perspective in life, that is going to transform and reorient who you are. And he reached out and he touched him, and he was healed. He was not only healed of leprosy, he was healed of unwholeness. And the leper finally understood what it meant to be whole in his life. To the point where Jesus says, just don't worry about telling anyone yet. Just go to the priest and present yourself. Because when the priest says you're healed, then it will, it will be an exclamation point that what I have done for you and everyone in the community will receive you as a whole individual. Again, could it be that your need and my need today is for wholeness? The prodigal son teaches us that. Also, the leper teaches us that. But there's a third example that's found in the book of Mark. In Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26, 
In Mark chapter 8, it's about a blind man, a man who, who is wanting to be of importance. He wants to know that he matters. And in verse 22, then they came to Bethesda. They brought a blind man to him, to Jesus. And he begged him, begged Jesus, touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and he brought him out of the village spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and he said, I see people. They look to me like trees walking. Well, again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes and he saw distinctly. He was cured and could see everything clearly. And then he sent him home saying, don't even go back into the village. Now, this is a situation to where a blind man was cast out because he was considered non-productive in society. And he was reduced to begging. A coin here, a coin there, maybe a little item left by his, his seat, and people felt sorry for him. Some days they probably didn't, and he didn't have any help. And some days they probably were a little bit more generous. That's the type of man he was, reduced to doing nothing, reduced to non-productivity, reduced to not having a sense of importance, reduced to the point where someone looks at him and says, really, you do not matter in my life because you're blind and you can't do anything to help me, you can't do anything to help yourself, and you surely can't do anything to help society, so you are not important. Stay there and beg and live with it. So, the blind man cries out, please help me. And Jesus reaches out and touches him, spits in his eyes. I know that sounds crazy, but it's the Lord, and that's the way they did things. And yet, when he asked him to look, all he could see was images that looked elongated like moving trees. So his eyes were not completely healed, and I think that's kind of symbolic. Maybe there's a symbolic meaning to that, that Jesus is all about complete wholeness, and many times we accept partial wholeness. In other words, we, we know we've got fire insurance, but we don't, go, we don't really want to go further. It's not going to do your body good if you don't have a fellowship on an everyday basis in your relationship to God. And so Jesus says to him, he says, if it's all dependent on you and the control that you could have looking through your eyes, then all you will see are these motions of trees or elongated pictures of people. He says, but I'm going to provide wholeness, complete wholeness. And he touched his eyes, and all of a sudden he could see distinctly. He saw everything. And he was healed. You see, Jesus is about taking your life and mine and saying to us, you matter to me. You are very important to me. And you're important to the friends of your life. You're important to the family of your life. You're important to your church family. You're important at your work environment. You're important wherever you are. You matter. And so for the first time, this blind man could hold his head up and say, I matter. I matter. And I'm loved, and I'm accepted, and I'm the person 
that I'm supposed to be. And I am important in my life. He always was important. He just couldn't convince himself he was. There's a fourth example in that of a tax collector, and it's the story of Zacchaeus. I love that story of Zacchaeus. I can see that little, little man trying to see over the crowd. He just had a little bit of height uh, problems in his life, and he couldn't see over the crowd. And in order to, to see a cr over the crowd, he had to climb a tree. And he entered, Jer the Scripture says in, in um, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, he entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. That means he, he was hated. They didn't want him because many of the tax collectors in that day not only collected tax for what was considered uh, legal, they also collected tax or extra money for themselves. So they basically were uh, thieves. And so many people did not want a tax collector to knock on their hand. I mean, knock on the door because they had to give from their hand more than what they were able to do. And the Scripture says this tax collector was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up in a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass the way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, Hurry down, because today I must stay at your house. So he quickly came down, welcomed him joyfully, and all who saw it began to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. He's gone to lodge with the thief. He's gone to lodge with the man that we would all love to just throw tomatoes at for the rest of his life. But Zacchaeus stood there and he said to the Lord, Look, I will give half of all my possessions to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I will pay them back four times as much. So not only is he realizing his own need of his life, he's realizing how to make um, just kind of a taking, taking the situation and turning it completely around as much as he could. And by doing that, he says, I will give half of what I own to the poor, and if I have, not if, but he knows he has, and those things that I have taken from people, I'll pay them back fourfold. And Jesus said, today, salvation has come to your house because he too is the son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. Another way of saying, and he's come to seek and to save and to bring wholeness to the lost. Now, Zacchaeus climbed up that tree in an un, as an unwholesome man. He came down that tree and had a conversation with Jesus, and after that conversation, he found wholeness. He found acceptance. I promise you, as rumors probably spread throughout the village that he was giving back money, I'm sure people were stepping out on their doorstep waiting for him to come back to their house because they were looking for some help. And they smiled as now he was being accepted 
because he was a whole man in Christ and he was a changed man. So we see in this example of Luke 15, verses 21 through 24, the prodigal son. We see the leper in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. We see the example in the blind man in Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through 26. And then we see the tax collector in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10. Now, the last example of wholeness is that recorded in Luke 23, verse 39 through 43. Luke 23, 39 through 43, and it's the thief on the cross. I made reference to this last week as well. In verse 39, then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuke him, don't you even fear God? Since you're undergoing the same punishment, we are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, I assure you today, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. And basically, basically he says to the thief, he says, you are now made whole. As you have requested, Lord, do something for me that no one else can do for me. Provide for me that no one else could ever provide. And he says, I believe in you, and I believe in your majesty. I believe in your power. I believe that you can make me whole. Even though I'm going to die here on this cross, I'm going to die a whole man. And Jesus says, today you receive wholeness. Today you receive salvation, and you will be with me in paradise. And so... This is what the Passion Week is about. It is about Jesus going into Jerusalem as in a triumphal way. Even though he was rejected by the end of the week, he knew that. He went into that week grabbing the attention of all the world and he provided such passion and love and grace and mercy because he knew when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he breathed his last breath. He was basically saying, it is finished. Lord, grant to the world wholeness as they trust in you, Father. I trust that you trust in your Father, the Father of all fathers, the Heavenly Father, that you trust in God and you understand wholeness, that you understand what it's all about. So what do all these things have in common? They all needed to be whole whether it be from the bad choices they made or the circumstances in which they lived in at that moment and were enduring. And that's the same for us. What do we all have in common? We have the need in the midst of our life, whether it's the bad choices we make or the circumstances we live in, we have the need of wholeness. So what, so what are others looking for those of us who have wholeness and we lay our head down at night, we know that we are whole. What are others looking for in you and me? What are others looking for? Not so much a sign and wonder like we saw in Acts chapter 5, but if God grants us that, hallelujah. But not so much the sign and wonder, but wholeness.
They're looking for wholeness. So how do we respond to the people in our life? Whether it be through a phone call, whether it be through a card, whether it be through the baking of a loaf of bread and delivering it, doing a batch of cookies, sitting over at someone's house and visiting with them, knocking on their door and sharing Christ with them, doing something in an area of servanthood to them. They're looking for wholeness. How do we provide that? In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 says this. You probably know this. It's probably one of your favorite verses. It says, For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare, not for your disaster, to give you a future and to give you a hope. You will call to me, come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You see, when we're doing that, we display that same wholeness. We, under, we, we give out hope and consolation to those who are looking for wholeness. That's what others are looking for, and I believe you. Believe me, they're looking for it more so today than ever they ever had in their life. Even though they may, some may never have believed in the invisible God, but they've come to, to believe in an invisible disease who has brought them to their knees, and yet they're crying out to the invisible God, and they're looking for wholeness. And you and I can give them hope and consolation based on that scripture, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, where the Lord says, I have a plan for you. I have hope, I have future, I grant you purpose. As you pray to me, I will listen. Hope and consolation. What's the second thing others are looking for? In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, it's probably, again, a verse of scripture that you can just quote and you lean upon, but in Philippians 4, verse 13, look, this is affirmation and strength. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me, Paul says. Now, Paul's getting to the close of his ministry. He's going through a lot of, of difficulty, and he's even in jail when he speaks these words and pins them down for us to have them this day as the inspired word of God, he says, I, I can find strength in Christ. Whatever happens in my life, I know that I am able to do all things through him who gives me strength. People are looking for that example of affirmation and strength, and you and I can give them. Those who are whole can give those who are unwhole, an un, in an unwhole situation the affirmation and strength. And third and last is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Again, another verse that I'm sure you're probably clinging to because of the promise that is written within these pages. Again, penned by Paul under Roman guard when he says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. And so people are looking for purpose. Not only hope and consolation, not only affirmation and strength, but they're also looking for purpose. And you and I can give forth that purpose. We can give forth that strength 
we can give forth that hope to those who are crying out for wholeness. All those examples we looked at in the New Testament from the prodigal son, the leper, the blind man, the tax collector, and the thief on the cross, every one of them had one thing in common. They all needed wholeness, and they were looking for that wholeness. Jesus met them so you and I can help people come to know Christ, come closer to Christ, and in finding Christ, they will find wholeness for their life. This is what the Passion Week is about. It is about God providing wholeness for all the world. It's about you and I calling upon Him and finding that wholeness, finding our lives complete, finding it meshed together, our DNA spiritually, to the DNA of God, and that Spirit of God takes over the inward us, inhabits this temple, as it's called, and we understand wholeness. So first of all, what will you cry out to God for today? And what will you give as an offer of help to others? So you and I have a wonderful challenge. A wonderful challenge that says that I can be a person that provides, that becomes an instrument of peace, an instrument of care, an instrument of provision, an instrument that says that, that I can be a minister, a priest in my world today. And so I challenge you to, to think about wholeness, first of all, in your own life. I know there's fears all around us. But, you know, as Christian people, faith overcomes fear. You know that. You're seeing that. You're experiencing that. But there's neighbors who live beside you in your community that you may have never met, but you're meeting them now. And everything and every conversation you have is all about the situation we live in. They're basically looking to you for hope. They're looking to you for strength. And they're looking to you to give them purpose in Christ. So never underestimate the power of your conversation to the people around you. Even if you're social distancing yourself, you can still have a wonderful conversation and lead them to Christ. Picture this. You're on one side of the cross of Christ, and your neighbor or the person you meet is the thief on the other side. And you're wanting to convince the person before they die, not saying that we've got to worry about everybody around us dying, but before they close their eyes through the longevity of their life, that they understand eternal security, eternal life wholeness, salvation. So be an instrument of peace. Be an instrument of hope and strength and affirmation and help people understand what it means to belong, to be cared for, to be loved, to be immersed with grace. God will honor your heart. He will honor who you are. He will honor everything that you have in your, in your heart as you give it to Him. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. To so dive into his love and watch it come flowing through who you are. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that each person around us today are the potential of getting closer and closer in relationship to you. That we are the instrument that helps that become reality. 
that we become the people of hope, that we become the message of wholeness. First of all, thank you that you provided wholeness, forgiveness, cleansing, salvation for my life and for each person who believes and what you're still offering to those around us. Thank you, God, for loving us and thank you for the power of your eternal grace that's operative right now in all of our lives. We give you praise, we give you thanks, we give you our heart in joy, and we thank you from the very depth of who we are, celebrating our life and our relationship in you. In your name, in Jesus' name, that we pray.